Hey guys, welcome to episode 4 of Crazy Talk. I'm KYT, and of course I'm joined with my fellow co-hosts, Alex and John Medina. And Frank is going to run a little late here. He's going to join us midway through the episode. Um, how's it going, everyone? I haven't, I haven't talked to some of you, John, for... <laughs> oh, one of you. Did you notice, Alex, that I got my last name said, and then you got nothing... <laughs> He was just like, I'm here with Alex and John Medina. Yeah, it's because I'm recognizable just by my first name. Nobody <laughs> recognizes you, man. Stop fooling yourself. <laughs> it, That's it, true. It just doesn't feel right. I, I was just going to leave it at John, but your last name is just, you know, you just have to say it. You just can't, uh, there's a, no way about it. It's a nice but last name. It's good. Apparently dude. you prefer Jonathan, though, right? <laughs> um, see, this is this whole thing started, but I don't... I don't want to say I don't prefer Jonathan, but it's not that big a deal. <laughs> so, I think somebody asked me at one point, "Do you? what do you prefer, John or Jonathan? And I just said, yeah, I prefer to be called my name, which is Jonathan. It's not John. So, like, then they do, I, I don't know, I guess, I guess Luke took it as, like, oh, yeah, if you don't call me by my name, like, you know, it's on. <laughs> but, yeah, but, like, which name does your mom call you when she's angry at you? It's like... Jonathan Medina, get over here right now. You're it's in so much so trouble. It's been so long since my mom's been angry at me. <laughs> I, I really don't even remember. <laughs> really? Two days is that long? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's ten kids in my family, so wow. I think what would happen is she would like call me one of the other kids' names, be like, Joseph, jo- you know, Jacob, Jonathan, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Luke, well, we would like to thank him again, who uh, reviewed our last episode, and, and basically on Twitter, it, it, he made me feel like we're the pioneers of uh, legacy podcasting. So, I'd like to thank him for all the kind words, and uh, we're, we've been getting a lot of good feedback, but not enough comments and not enough more Medinas. But no one, no one actually said less Medina. So I guess people were happy with. Uh, or level of Medina, or wanted more. <laughs> so most most podcasts don't get comments, anyways. Like you could, I mean, you could have a ton of listeners. I mean, look at the A team. You guys, I'm sure, have a lot of listeners, and then you only get maybe like nine or ten comments. I think we even didn't one of the crazy talks beat the A team in comments one time. One crazy talk got a crap ton of comments. So. Um, yeah, it's that one where you whoa, guys were like, that's dissing. crazy talk. <laughs> I, I think it's the one where you were dissing legacy players, and you guys were like, "Oh yeah, players can't play magic." I was like, I wasn't on that part of the cast, so when I heard it, I was like, "What are they talking about?" Oh, actually, let's give you. This is what you wanted to uh, sort of talk about briefly. So let's just give you this chance to uh, defend the legacy players, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think that. I think like I think a lot of type two players have that attitude where it's like they see legacy players as more <laughs> casual players. You know, and they kind of just see them as oh they run homebrews so they're casual, you know? Because a lot of the legacy a lot of the legacy decks, like a lot of stuff you play against, you just don't know what you're gonna play against, you know? And if you're playing against a show and tell deck, you're not sure if it's like natural order show and tell or like painter servants show and tell, like they just uh the combos are so modular that they just kind of mix and mash them, you know? So, like, people, I guess they just don't give legacy players respect, and I don't, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's, that's right, you know what I mean? 
Like I, I, I was at a legacy tournament just this weekend and somebody tried to stifle a standstill. You know, and this guy is more of like a type two player and and then like he's like probably got that attitude like, Oh, the legacy players don't know what they're doing, but then he tries to stifle a standstill, you know? So <laughs> it's just like we you know, as legacy players, you know, they understand the interactions and the complexity of all these different cards and stuff. And uh, I just don't think it's like when I heard that I was just I was I was put off by it. <laughs> I don't think uh, you know I don't think it's true. Just to be honest, like r- real legacy players, you know. I mean, there's not a lot of big legacy tournaments besides the Star City Games ones. So like, and at the Star City Games tournament, when you're playing in standard, you get just as many donks in standard as you do legacy, you know. So it's like, but if you went to like a I don't know, like Legacy Champs at, you know, at friggin' Gen Con or something, you know, you're not going to run into a lot of, uh, or like Vintage Champs, you know, those are Eternal players, those guys play Legacy and stuff. Those guys are are not donks, you know what I mean, so. <laughs> Alex? Uh, well, I mean, I definitely agree, I was, I never actually said that uh, Legacy players are worse, I was just saying why that perception is possibly there. I mean, I think actually Legacy is in, in many ways harder to play than Standard because there's way more interactions and they're all often more complex. So people make more mistakes because of that, and maybe that makes it so that some people observe that, you know, they're oh, they're making more mistakes. But, like, I definitely think Legacy players are pretty good. But I think the best players are the ones who play, like, all formats rather than just stick to one format because you see more, you get more experience and you see more and more interactions. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, anyone who has more experience in more formats are, are, are probably more seasoned, you know, players. I mean, these guys who play on the Pro Tour, you know, they play all different kinds of formats. Yeah, I, I just... I'm still new to Legacy, and I still feel a bit intimidated. Uh, it's been, like, a long time since I've played the card Stifle, and I might have... I have made mistakes and or not know what I could stifle because it's been such a long time and definitely feel (laughs) like there's a lot more for me to know a lot more experience a lot more tournaments that I got to play and uh, I I think it's not that legacy players are bad I think it's the fact that more if you're a competitive player you're more likely to play the other formats anyway so it's not like a fair uh how do I say? It's not a fair assessment if you're just looking at, you know, the, the cat, people who just strictly play Legacy. Yeah, and um, I mean, I think by that same token, it's like the good Legacy players are not necessarily people who strictly play Legacy. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? There's some guys who might like, like Drew Levin is a good example. He enjoys Legacy more and would rather play Legacy. So he, I, I would identify him as a Legacy player. He would probably identify himself in that way if he had to if he had to pick and choose, you know. Uh, right. But he's still top eights, you know, standard tournaments. So yeah, definitely agree with that. Yeah. So moving on, hopefully we will get that behind us. We do not hate <laughs> legacy players. No. Yeah. So don't worry about it, legacy players out there who are listening <laughs> to the cast. You know, I got your back, man. I'll come with you guys. <laughs> More Medina if you like that. <laughs> John, in fact, I heard that this weekend you played a legacy tournament and you managed to finish in the top four of how many players was it? Five? 
five five players. Uh, they couldn't cut the top eight, so they had to cut the top four. And uh, and I did not I did not lose to the the five year old who was playing a dredge there. So I was able to top four. Yeah. But uh, you didn't like go like count all. Your, what were you playing? No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just joking. There was twenty. 24 players, 26 players, and uh, I was playing uh, High Tide. High Tide. So you didn't go like, you know, 44 man in my pool, you know, un- untap my lands, I'll play Blue Sun Zenith for my, I'm targeting myself, <laughs> 41, draw 41 cards, and then after you draw 40, you realize you don't have any cards back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't Blue Sun Zenith myself to death. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. No, nope, not even once. I <laughs> I tapped my mana right and everything. It was great. <laughs> so, so you actually uh, decided to play your your candlesticks, put them into uh, use. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to put them in use. It's funny because the uh, the night before, some guy was asking me, "Hey, can I borrow some candlesticks?" Because they all know I have candlesticks. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "No, I don't have any for to, to loan you." And, okay. And then you also bring a warm wet cloth with you. <laughs> I'll actually talk about that because this is my uh, this was my first time playing the deck, so I'll talk to you about how that went. It was kind of interesting, but uh, but yeah, the guy asked to borrow some candlesticks. I'm like, I don't have any to loan you. And then like when I get there, everyone thought I was playing Team America because like just kept talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> And like, so everyone thought I was playing that. I didn't want them to pack like cannonists and all this stuff in the sideboard, you know. So I just didn't admit that I was playing, uh, you know, high tide. And so when I get there, I hear the guys in the background. They're like, "No, man, Medina has like five or six candlesticks left. He, he is at least that much." So like, <laughs> the guy is getting pissed off because he thinks that I don't want to loan him the candlesticks, you know. But Why? Like they're expensive cards. You shouldn't be mad. <laughs> yeah, but I loan everybody. Like some kid came up to me. I loaned him a moat. I loaned some other kids some uh, a set of underground seas. Like so, it's like. Wow. Was there anyone you know, not playing your deck at the tournament? There was plenty of people not, but I mean, I, did, I had like three or four people that I was loaning cards to. So okay. you just see these people come up, get the moat, come up, get like, you know, show and tells or like freaking, you know, underground seas. And then he's like, and I'm telling him no on candlesticks. So he's probably like taking it personal, you know, like, oh, okay. Medina just doesn't want to loan me these things. What a jerk. <laughs> and then like, as soon as like people are like, after first round, everyone's waiting for me to finish. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so playing. what, What, John, you you didn't want people to be metagaming against you? Because <laughs> <laughs> they saw my deck. Welcome, Frankie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the cast, Frank. We missed you. I'm sure you guys did. <laughs> <laughs> continue, John. Yes, oh, continue. So, so here's my, it's my first time playing this deck, and... This deck is a pain in the ass to play. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I gotta say that. Like, just like as much shuffling and as much like counting as you have to do, it's not, it's not that it's, it's not that it's hard per se to do the basics of the deck, you know? But it's really like painstaking. And then you start getting into like when you have like five high tides and you like, I was forgetting like, I was like, okay, five high tides and I was still tapping my audience for like when I had four high tides. And I'm just like, wait a second, this math is not working. Like, so trying to, like, it sounds funny. Like, like you can't just do simple addition, Jonathan. You know, it's just math. You know, 
But like when there's like a whole group of people standing there, the round is over. We're in turns technically, but I'm just gonna kill the guy. Like it's just gonna take me 15 minutes to count my mana. <laughs> yeah, I and, remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like just like how much work you actually have to put in on just playing this thing is really hard. And the the other thing that's hard is sometimes like the line of plays that you should take. Like um, you don't want to risk too many uh, time spirals because sometimes you might whiff on a time spiral. So like sometimes it's always tempting to go to the like with a cunning militia and get the uh, blue sun zenith and then zenith yourself, you know, or try to get a meditate, you know. So like it's just like you just don't know which way to go most of the time. And thankfully, most of my opponents just hold it, you know. Like after a while. They're just like, and I'm like, all right, 30 mana in the pool, and, then, <laughs> and like, you know, you know, friggin' 16 spells, and like, and they're just like, dude, do you have like a cunning wish or something? I'm like, yeah, right here. Okay, I'll scoop. <laughs> 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 so, it's just like, so I would just like purposefully, like, just start tapping slow, <laughs> like, you know, just because it's like, well, you know, the more painful it is for them, because we're in terms anyways. So if you want to sit here and just watch me, that's fine, or else we could just, you could scoop it up and we can go to the next match, you know? So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, it's a really, it's a really powerful deck. I feel like I made, uh, some misplays and it's very forgiving, uh, for making misplays and, uh, you know, it's just really, and it, it can go off on turn three pretty, pretty regular, like pretty consistently and pretty like, yeah, yeah. Like, I was afraid, like when I, like I said, I first played the. This is my first time playing the deck, so like I, I had to go off on turn three because I was dead. I was playing against a dredge player, so he had like enough to kill me, and it's like turn three, and I was just a ghost, you know. So it's like, man, I gotta do this now, and I had like, uh, I had no candlestick. No, no, no I had like, one candlestick, and uh, yeah, I went off on turn three, and it was just fine. Like I thought. I thought that I'd run out of mana or, you know, something, but, like, between turnabouts and more, like, drawing and stuff, it was just, you can easily, this one time this guy extirpated my candlesticks. <laughs> when I, I cast the time spiral, he extirpated the candlesticks, and I went off with no candlesticks. <laughs> yeah, I d I've done that, too. Yeah, it's crazy. The deck is just insane good. Like, it's insane hane. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so I went to I went to top four. The only person that I lost to all day was the same guy. I lost to him once in Swiss, uh, and I lost to him in the top four. And you're gonna laugh when I tell you what he was running. He was running goblins. <laughs> See, he predicted the future. And you're not, you're not actually supposed to lose to goblins, right? Well, correct. But I don't understand. Like he had cabal uh, cabal therapy, so like. When you have like a Cabal Therapy and like uh whatever that guy is, Mod, Mod War Marshal, it's just like I can't beat a Cabal Therapy and a Mod War Marshal. Okay. You know what I mean? Because he just like Cabal Therapies me, he names High Tide, and then like I show him my hand, if there's any High Tides, they're gone. And then he just starts sacking his Goblin tokens to just like rip my hand apart. You do know it only flashes back once, right? Yeah, but he's running multiple Cabal Therapies. I mean, obviously. And he only needs to he only hits needs to hit one thing before he can put pressure on and kill me anyways. Because if I can't high tide, I can't ramp and I can't cast the time spot. I have to wait for turn six. I have no blockers I, and no removal. 
That's I think that's the biggest weakness of the deck is that like if they hit I tide, you're done. You know it doesn't do. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> I'm playing with those candlesticks. No <laughs> way. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you have to use your brainstorms and ponders effectively to like hide relevant cards on top of your deck, right? Yeah, obviously, right. You you, you if you get if you get you know an effect that's going to cause you to discard a card. <laughs> you have to hide your cards with your brainstorm. Or obviously, if you're playing something with black, when you ponder, you're not going to play. You're not going to be like, "Oh, I should just put this high tide in my hand during his like turn." So that but then they're going to start milling your deck. <laughs> <laughs> then you're losing again, man. <laughs> no, so they're like, like millstone. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to be like on the cast. You're going to be like, dude, don't you know you got to draw that stuff, man? <laughs> No, it's it's uh, brainstorm goes a long way if you have it. Like with that deck, I never when I'm playing against black, I never really use the brainstorm to draw cards unless uh, unless I'm like going off. I always use it as like a protective measure. You know, if I get hemmed or if I get like thought seized or cabal therapy or whatever. But sometimes you just don't have the brainstorm. It's like you can't mulligan to the brainstorm. It's just silly. You know what I mean? So, and then sometimes like the timing. Like, he, la- he lackeyed turn one, and then, like, he hit me on turn two and had a siege game. So, it's like, on, my, bet, yeah. on my turn two, I have the Merchant Scroll for a high tide. And I just have to hope that he can't make me discard it, you know what I mean? Like, there's sometimes where you just have to, like, just go for it, because if I let it go past turn three, I'm just dead. Yes. So, so that's kind of like... That was a predicament. I got I got lackeyed twice in the I don't know four or five games or whatever we played. I got lackeyed in the siege game twice, <laughs> and then um, I, so I feel like you know I feel like almost like I should run like one snapback in the board, and then just board it in for lackey, because I feel like snapback would be kind of kind of good because you can uh, merchant scroll with it on turn two, and then you can have a bounce spell for the lackey. Um, I don't know, it's a weird idea, but it might be good. Did you play uh, Alex Hatfield's uh, Exact 75, John? No, I played uh, I played the one that Jerry T played with the Intuition main deck. Okay. And that was really that was really clutch. That was really good to have a main deck. Yeah, Intuition's really good in that deck, like just as a one-off. Yeah, definitely. Because then you can merchant scroll for it while you're going off, or you can uh, you can if you have it, you can go for the time spiral. Get three time spirals, like, uh, and then they give you time spiral, and then you untap, and, you know. So you can do that at the end of turn or whatever. So that was really good. I didn't really feel like um, Mind Over Matter was all that great. What do you think, Alex, about the Mind Over Matter? Um, I don't know. It seems like, like overkill to me a bit. I mean, sure, you know, when you have that in, like, candlesticks, you can just, you know, keep on tapping them and produce obscene amounts of mana, but like I don't think you, I don't know if you really need that much mana, I mean you only need like 50-ish mana, right? Yeah. yeah you and don't I found, need like 500. I found that a lot that like, I didn't need mana when I was going off, I needed draw cards, stuff. right? Yeah. yeah. More cards, like, so I'd rather the, the mind over matter be something that drew me more cards, because like it doesn't seem to help unless you're already going off. And and then, like, if you're already going off, like, I'd just rather have something to draw more cards anyways, because then I might draw into, like, uh, you know, 
I mean, you also have the tricks with your with your artifact bounce spells. Like you can bounce, you can echo and truth your candlesticks, so you can rebuild your candlesticks and then replay them, and then like regenerate a bunch more mana. So it's like it just doesn't. I, I just don't feel like you need the mind over matter. The only case like I can see it is like one of two things. Like if something's gone horribly wrong, and you need you need it to like defend yourself by tapping like Harmoglades and Night of the Valkyrie. But Turnabout think, does that too, though. Huh? Turnabout, Turnabout does yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, so, like, I feel like if you had more card draw, that would be fine. Or, like, if you, like, were in a weird situation against a blue deck that had, like, a bunch of spell pierces or something and you wanted to deny them of their, of their like, because they can tap their islands for blue, too. So they can generate, like, if they have an untapped, like, tropical island and I have, like, five high tides, they can just, like, tap the tropical island and hard cast a force wheel. So, like... You might, like, I could see you might want to use it to, like, lock their mana down before you start playing relevant spells. But even then, like, I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like card draw is better because you get your counter spells and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, really the times where I found I was losing the most of the deck is when, like, you fizzle off of Spiral or something. And that that's when you usually have plenty of mana, but you just draw more mana cards or protection. But no... Uh, no card draw and no way to to go off. Yeah. So so yeah. I um I lost once in the Swiss to the Goblins guy, and then in the top uh, top eight I played against the guy with like a white black deck, and he had like Tide Hollow Scholars and Thoughtseize his main deck, and then he also had um, Inquisition in the board. So like the first game he just like pillaged my hand. And then one, and then second game I brought in rebuild, and uh, and my uh, repeal, and then like I repealed his ether vial because what he was doing was he was like getting his ether vial to two, and then like after I drew he'd flash in a tide hollow, and like like kind of like Vendillion click me in a way and steal like my cards, so like I bounced the ether vial, and then I just went off on turn three, so that he couldn't Vendillion click me in, or like tide hollow me in the middle of going off. And then a uh, second game, I rebuild his um, his type hollows, and uh, it went off. Cool. So yeah, then then in top four, I lost to goblins. They killed me. So I don't know. I love the deck. I think it's awesome. What what event was that then? <laughs> <laughs> it's a casual just event a, that he held at his house. <laughs> just a, uh, it was between me, myself, and I. Just a local tournament. <laughs> okay, that's cool. So, uh, Alex, before we move on, do you what do you think about John's uh, snapback idea? Um, I think it's not bad for to do, as a way to deal with lackey, but it only works really, really when you're on the play, right? Uh, to find with Virgin Scroll. Yeah, if they have a turn one lackey, it works when you're on the play. But like, also like the problem cards that you're going to be dealing with is like Gaddic Teague. Um, you know, canonist, you know, things that snapback will help against anyways. But isn't snap, like, just better generally against all, all those cards? I don't think so, because, like, I don't find that... Because when I do it, I'm not necessarily going to go off. You know what I mean? It's like, end of turn, I might, like, bounce it, and then, or, or with the lackey, like, after they swing. But, like, if, if they swing with the lackey and I snap... Then like, what's that going to gain me? I untap lands, but 
it's on his turn, you know? Like, who cares? Well, like, you're still, I mean, snapback, you're, if, you're removing a card from your hand to play it. Yeah, or, which I have, which, you know, once you time spiral, you have plenty of cards, so it's right, like... Right, but I mean, once you time spiral, you don't really need to cast snapback, do you? No, but what I'm saying is it like, it fixes the issue that, like, you're going down in cards. Like, losing a card in this deck is not a big deal. Like, in other decks, like, say you have to force a will something and you remove a card, then you, you're down that card for the rest of the game until you can draw more. But, like, with this deck, it's like, all of this stuff is just pretty much a protocol to get to the time spiral. Yeah. But I, I, find, I don't know, I find, like, that snapback is it's not as good as snap against most of the hate cards. Like, Lackey, it, it's definitely better against Lackey and, like, as a one-of or whatever to Merchant Scroll for. But against all the hate cards, like, you can go turn... Say they have a Gaddic Teague, right? You can play High Tide, play Merchant Scroll, play Snap, untap lands, and then, like, turn about or or something and go off from there. Yeah, but you can also, like... I guess what I like that you can do is you can, like, Intuition end a turn... Or you can, uh, you know, cast a snap, uh, snap back on like a canonist or whatever, and then intuition with the extra mana. Like, I like having that mana open, you know what I mean? But a snap would do the same thing there. You snap it and then you still, you untap your lens, you can still cast the intuition. Yeah, I guess, I guess I like the or, idea. Or the of, cunning wish or whatever. I, I guess I like the idea of having Maybe my logic is flawed here. Hold on a second. No, no, it can't be. It can't be. It's never. It's never flawed. Oh man. This, no, no, no. Like, because and Alec that, would cer- certainly not point it out. You know. <laughs> no, no, no. Because the, the whole thing was the the whole thing that I was annoyed about was the lackey. Right. And so, you, and you agree that snapback is better against lackey. Right, but it's only good when you have merchant scroll and are on the play. But. It's, and but it's and usually in that situation, aren't you going to just kill them, like, the next turn anyways? Wouldn't you rather find something to go off with? I think it all depends. I, I felt like there were times in, in the game against Goblins where I felt like I wanted snapback. Like, that's why I brought it up, because I, I felt like I know all these options are available, and, like, the one that I thought would be best was snapback. Okay. Have you ever had that feeling, Alex, that like you felt like you wanted snapback? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really like snap though. Uh, of course, John, I was, I was, I was not playing candlesticks else. when I played the deck, right? I played cloud of fairies, uh-huh. and snap is much better when you're playing that as well, because you can snap your own cloud of fairies, which gains even more mana, yeah. or effectively can draw you a card when you're going off. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, in, in that case, I, I agree in the Cloud of Fairies for sure, like, that the, the stamp is, is way better. But, like, I had no problem dealing with Canonist or Gaddic Teague. Uh, I played against both those, and I didn't have any problem with those. So it's like, the real problem I had was Lackey, and I felt like, like, Snapback would be a better solution. But maybe, you know, maybe Snap is just as good, but I, I, I don't think so in, in that situation. No. But I think that situation is a very small one. Like, it's not it's not a situation that comes up enough. I think that to deserve a spot. Yeah, it yeah, sounds but, like. But snap snapback is not really that inferior to snap. 
Like if you're trying to remove a lo- something that's locking you, and it's like it's not really. I'm not losing anything by running snap back, but I'm gaining this little edge in the in the goblins matchup. Is the way I'm looking at it. I mean, like, because the, the scenario where snapback is better, right? Is the scenario where you're on the play, they played turn one lackey, you didn't have force of will, you do have merchant scroll, you do have a random blue card you can get rid of and still uh-huh. go off, and they don't have any way to disrupt you or anything. Like, because you, you're gonna, you clearly have to go off the next turn, otherwise they're just replaying their goblin lackey and you're in the same position. Yeah, but I get the turn, like, what'll happen is they'll swing in the lackey, if they hit me, they get a, uh, they get a um, CG. Right, so but I think, aren't you, like, So I buy this turn, turn, and then I buy the next turn, because they have to replay the lackey. Aren't they just replaying the lackey, like, the same turn? Aren't you buying one turn, effectively? Like, the, the siege gang, let's say, is coming down, instead of this turn, it's coming down next turn. Yeah. So you're buying one turn, and you're using, like, your merchant scroll and another card in your hand, and your second turn... Like, I, if you can go off the next turn and so on, then it's definitely worth it. But otherwise, it seems, I don't know, it doesn't seem so yeah. great to it's, me. It's hard It's hard to discuss it without having, like, the hand and the situation, you know what I mean? Because right. I don't remember, I don't remember what the hand was, I just remember thinking, I wish I had a, a snap right now. <laughs> so that I could merchant scroll for the snapback and then bounce this lackey and then go off next turn. Like, that's what I just remember thinking. All right, well, I can... I. I agree that there are certain situations where it would be good to have a snapback in your deck. Okay. Let, let's leave it at that, because I we think can this move deck on. is getting a little long. Yeah, so yeah the for- clock Nazi is getting a bit <laughs> dang. <laughs> Did you guys talk about anything than the Time Spiral deck while I was... No, we just talked about snapback this whole time. <laughs> Man. So, uh, for it's, team uh, Snapback is like, it's a new staple of legacy, I think. You, <laughs> you just coined it, John. These things are gonna go out like hotcakes. <laughs> Man, the price is gonna go up so high, buy them oh, now yeah. before they're worth more than mana drain. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Ascension so, uh, listeners, every card that we talk about on this <laughs> podcast will go up in value. <laughs> go up. Yeah, like every every deck we talk about, or at least every deck I talk about, seems to end up winning uh, the <laughs> Open. Talking about that, John. Um, Tell you about so, what do you so what how does, want to know? Humble pie taste. What 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 do you want to know? What do you want to know, Alex? I don't know. Well, like. You like sucking on my balls? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh shit! So explain, explain. There goes the PG rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Explain to me what what you're trying to say here. Well, I, I no, would, no, please uh, don't. <laughs> no, no. This is what the listeners are waiting for, right? This is what the listeners are waiting for. Explain you what don't you don't clean what you're, your dirty laundry in public. You do no, it behind closed doors. You know, Ohio. With a lot of uh, lotion and shit like that. You know? <laughs> well, um, I recall last week we were having a discussion on Affinity decks, and I think yep. I think someone, for, <laughs> it might be who it was, said that Tezzeret was awful in Affinity. <laughs> I just I just recall somebody. Was it was I, it you, KYT? No, no, oh, definitely Frank, not. Was it you? It, it might have been me. I don't know. I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> did, did I say 
Tetra was awful in Infinity. I don't remember John saying it, actually. No, I said I said so we could talk more about this terrible deck. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you were you were ev- pretty much every comment you made that was about the deck being bad was like, oh, you're going to be stuck with four drops in your hand. No wonder you're going to have more cards. And like, Master of Ethereum, <laughs> that seems so bad, too. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, I definitely... Galvanic Blast. I definitely, I definitely gave you crap because the optimized list for Affinity was with Disciple and with Galvanic Blast. Am I right? The list at the time you're saying? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I was presenting the, the other picture. I was presenting the other picture of, of Affinity, right? And you were, you were advocating this new rogue build of Affinity with Tezzeret, right? Right. Yep. And so, so what are you trying to say here? That I shouldn't have presented the other side of the, of the coin? Well, it's not exactly that you shouldn't have presented the other side of the coin, because that's, that's perfectly fine. It's just the method of, of presenting it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you say, to, you say you have a dog, right? And you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to cut you up into little pieces and feed you to the jackals. And, like, the dog's like, you know, he's really happy. And you're like... Good dog, I really love you. I really love you so much, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is with you and dogs and like in trying to illustrate <laughs> points with dogs. Think of dogs, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, what I guess what you want me to do is give you credit. No, because because you because you said let's put Tezzeret in Affinity, <laughs> right? That's Nobody really ever important. thought of that, eh? Right? I don't know. I think it was more. It was more the fact that I just wanted you to admit that uh, you were ba- you like like bashing on stuff when you have like no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh man, this is terrible. So, so you're saying Affinity is a good deck? Uh, I'm saying Affinity is a fine deck. Yeah, it's not. It's it's well was well positioned clearly. Okay, well positioned is different than good, right? Well, I mean, like, is Dredge a good deck? I'm I'm asking you. You you answer my questions first. <laughs> so I, I, so like so this is a good discussion because what you're saying is that is that affinity is a good deck, right? Uh well I mean it's it's good as long as people don't pack infinite hate against it. Or one null rod in an in enlightened tutor, right? Yeah, but four in <laughs> full enlight four enlightened tutor is Kind of like a hate card there. <laughs> it's a toolbox card. Anyways, well, what I don't point, know. The, there's not really any good enlightened tutor decks, in my opinion. So, so like the point I'm trying to make is that earlier in the cast, you gave me crap because I said, "Oh, this deck, this deck might be good or might be better because it uh, <laughs> it beat these other decks." And you said, "No, that's not a good gauge. Just because it it placed higher." doesn't mean it's better. So I would present that same argument to you about about affinity and say, well, just because it was well-positioned in a tournament and did well doesn't mean it's a good deck, right? Right, but I'm, my, I'm not, I was never saying it was a good deck. I was just saying that you were saying the other version was strictly better and that the version KYT and I have been uh, championing a bit was strictly worse and it seemed awful. <laughs> I said it's oh, man, we're, we're in the strictly better argument. Oh, yeah, oh, no, no, no. I never said strictly better. 
But that, that's the first thing, because I don't say that. So I never did say that. Um, I presented the other side of the affinity coin, and I feel like I did it pretty well. And I still feel like Ravager with Disciple Deval is still very, very good. That's a valid strategy. That's that's yeah. for sure. I, I'm, I, do you want Do you want me to give you credit for putting Tesseret in Affinity? Is that what you're looking for? No, I'm I don't want credit. That's not what I'm asking for at all. I want credit for saying, in fact, I believe what I said was I compared Affinity to Fairies and Extended. Right, right. And said that there's there's the synergistic one and the card individual power one, and similarly there's that those two builds of Affinity in Legacy. And and I, I, just want, I just wanted you to acknowledge that the other one existed, which you would not do at the time. No, I did agree with that. I agreed with the fact that one, like <laughs> like like fairies and extended, I did agree that uh, that there that there are these two builds of affinity. But I never said affinity was good, and I still don't say affinity is good. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, I think it's good, but you, I think you're you're you trying to like guy. madness me out with a counter spell or something. And and, and let me, I, this is the point I'm bringing up. Okay, putting Tezzeret in Affinity is doesn't take a genius to do that. Okay, if you read my my review of Mirrodin Besieged, <laughs> let me let me read to you what I said about Tezzeret Agent of Bolas before the two weeks before the set came out. Okay, I said Whoa, this part visionary. <laughs> this card is really good. I expected to see play in all formats. I can see it finding a place in everything from standard Infect deck, which was Kibler's list just a few weeks ago, to extended Time Seed. That hasn't happened yet next year. Okay. The Legacy Affinity deck and the Vintage Jace deck. Uh, I really don't have much to say about this card other than those who think it's bad are wrong. Price modifier up. <laughs> I mean, this is this is not this is not rocket science to stick Tezzeret in Affinity at, at this time. Even when I wrote this review, I thought it was a valid strategy to stick Tezzeret in Affinity if you're going to play Affinity. I don't still don't think that Affinity is a good deck. Okay, I'm gonna intervene here because clearly our listeners are tired of you two talking all the time. Um, I think we'll just leave it at that. Uh, I think sure. both of you just agreed and they're just talking to argue or something because as far as I know, Alex just said that uh, there were two different types of affinity. Um, and I myself playing the Tezzeret one don't even know which one I like more. I've been asking Alex that maybe I like the other version more because this, uh, I said Arcbound Ravager feels a lot more powerful with Disciple of the Vault in it. Um, as for whether this deck is actually good, uh, my opinion would be probably not after winning this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely no, get behind like, that opinion. There's a lot of events that go on and no one's packing Null Rod or whatever right, right. Hate Du Jour is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it top-aided two of the last... Uh, Star City Games Legacy Open, and I think still the uh, the, the hate is still not 100% there. I think if there's anything that I felt was obviously Tezzeret in an Affinity deck is not unique. I've found lists and I've shipped some lists and found some Japanese lists here and there, but playing four of them, uh, 
was something was a list that you know Alex first for for me at least from all the lists I've seen Alex was the first one to me to to put it in in a list where he would actually go ahead and play all four copies. Um, I don't obviously he doesn't want any credit, but uh, that's that's based on my experience and looking at Mr. Blake McCracken's list, I think the the unique uh, thing about his list to me is uh, four Blink Moth Nexus versus having more color and mana uh, and the lack of Arcbound Ravagers. I mean, I feel insecure about having Blink Moth Nexus and being able to consistently cast East there's sworn Cannon's post board, but maybe I'm completely wrong. Just like I think, just, like <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get the mana from Springleaf Drum alone seems. Uh, I mean, I've had trouble running our version, getting Cannon's out sometimes consistently on turn two or or three, or having the white mana necessary to do that. And yeah, those are the two main differences between his list and ours. And Ravager, I, I've. I've commented to Alex on on a private uh, conversation that I didn't think it was that great in, in that build, but it does. But he he had a very good counterpoint for that. So Alex, what do you think about his version uh, specifically? If you have it up in front of you, uh, well, I don't have it up in front of me, but I I've, I've seen it. Okay. Um, I I definitely like some points of it. I'm not a big fan of four blink moth, but. Uh, uh, I, for the I, same reason like, that I mentioned, or for other reasons? Mainly for that reason, but also, like, it's not an artifact without activating it, right? So it, it does take back a little bit from your synergies. Right, right. However, it is in some ways more consistent because it's not an artifact. You don't get hated out as much by, say, a Null Rod. You could still potentially cast stuff. Though it's going to be pretty pretty long road there. Uh, <laughs> you can cast stuff that does nothing. <laughs> that swings for two. <laughs> I don't know. If you have two Blink Moth Nexuses, you can tap one to activate the other one and attack. Get in for three. <laughs> <laughs> That's how legacy games are won. Well, actually, that is sometimes That is actually fun. kind of <laughs> <up there. laughs> No, no. I take it back. That is how legacy games are won. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I don't, you know. I, don't I, mean, know I definitely the, agree with no Ravagers in his list. I think that's right for his his current build. What do you think, Frank? Yeah, I like I like his build. Because <laughs> ba- basically, the idea of running uh, Tezzeret, uh, Master of Ethereum, and like the the the, the three power like there's cranial plating too. So like these. These cards like take fully advantage of having a lot of artifacts in play, and like you want to maximize on these effects because they're the, they're the strongest in your deck. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the other things that I noticed about this deck, and when you were describing the deck last week, Alex, you really played down like the creature count in your deck. You know what I mean? Like you kind of were just like, yeah, you win with Master of Ethereum and Tezzeret. And so to me, like, taking the explosive start out of Affinity uh, felt like a really bad thing. It's just like, why would you ever do that, you know? 
And so, All right, well, maybe maybe I was a bit misleading in that way. I don't yeah. know. I, so the deck, yeah. the deck still plays a significant number of yeah. I, drops, so. I think we definitely we were definitely misleading in describing the deck. Yeah, because uh, we, when I seen him play it out, it still can be an affinity deck, where it's like he didn't even need Tazeret to win certain times. He was just like puke my hand, kill you, you know. <laughs> yeah, which, which is like not the picture I was getting from your guys' list when you were describing it. Yeah. Subsequently, I did, I did send John the list uh, sometime yesterday or, or this morning, I forget. Uh, and it just It's basically the, essentially the same list. Uh, outside of the Blink Moth Nexus, we play the, the White Lands and a few Ink Moths, and Ravager, uh, we, we still play Ravager, and we do not play for Signal Pest, which seems to be a uh, staple in these, uh, wh- whichever affinity list you play. Yeah. There seems to for- be four, four copies of them in the main deck. And that's I would definitely try the deck with, uh, with Signal Pest. I, it's very possible I'm wrong about that card in the, in the build. Um, I don't know. I, one of the main reasons I like Ravager, in fact, in that build is that it's a bit of a lightning rod that people like care a bit too much about it, because they're like, oh my god, Ravager, that's what I think you always killed with, you know? <laughs> and, and and plus, having Ink Moth Nexus over Blink Moth Nexus in our build uh, makes Ravager actually, like, it's not hard to get up to the up to a 10-10, which is lethal, whereas instead of doing having to do 20 damage. Yeah, so. I, that was the other thing, is I brought up the signal test last week, and you said, no, you but you run Ornithopters. So, like, I was getting, I feel like I was getting a, a, I mean, sure, I didn't shut up enough to let you guys tell me about this deck, because I was being, because I was being belligerent. It used to be a recurrent theme. (laughs) But that's, you know, getting used to it. People like it, man. More Medina. (laughs) There weren't actually that many more Medinas, I think, as uh, as we said earlier. Let's note, how many less Medinas were there? Zero. (laughs) Zero, my friend. No. The Las Padina people just don't don't want to come out, you know. They're afraid of of being publicly shamed on Twitter. Yeah, or something. They should be. They should be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, did you have a point you wanted to finish, John? I, I think we cut you off, sort of. No, I don't. Remember. Okay. Um, I think so, I think one of the interest of uh, Signal Pest is that like, it, like if you run too many old drops, like you can really get the slowed down by explosives at zero. So I, I think, like, going forward, like, you want to kind of, like, spread out your uh, mana cost a little bit so that you you kind of avoid that. I, I was reading uh, Mike Eisenhower, I think, who top-aided with, uh, who first top-aided with Affinity in a long time, and he basically almost said that Signal Pest was his, was his strictly better Etch champion in a way, the fact that you know for Etch champion you just mainly want it to be unblockable, and not there's not many things that can block signal pass. So to him it was just a cheaper Etch champion, and he didn't even play Etch champion anywhere uh, in his main deck, and said it shouldn't have been, even been in the sideboard. It was just his uh, a last minute hedge that he decided to put it in, and that's interesting to me because Etch champion has been my MVP. Uh, since I've played this deck, and uh, it'd be interesting if Signal Pest would actually, you know, strictly replace it. 
because I, I just I think I think they do different things, but like right. sometimes you just want to bash through uh, with your plating, and he does the job uh, almost just as good, you know, and he's <laughs> cheaper. So, and like one one thing, like before I played uh, Affinity, like I didn't realize that like like if you want to get plating down in attack, you need to have uh, three mana, you know, and like that's. It's- like, before I used to play, like, with less mana sources in my affinity deck, and, like, sometimes that was a problem. Like, you, maybe a turn, like, if you can't equip the turn you play it, like, it makes a big difference. Right. That's why, uh, I think Alex and I advocate four mox opals and four drums. Though, I don't know, I guess you can play three drums, so I, I definitely like four opals for sure. Um... So, I think at the end of it, uh, like I said, I think we probably misled John into how many creatures we actually play in our affinity deck, and, uh... Yeah, no, but you can't blame me for thinking that, you know, John was just stupid, because... <laughs> and, and Alex, Alex oh, was, like, over-enthusiastic about our, ver- our version of the deck, maybe, and it made it sound like he liked them, but obviously, since he decides to play something else at these tournaments and recommends me to play Affinity, we can say that, you know, he doesn't think Affinity is that great. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I actually played Affinity last week, actually, at uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, because you didn't want to play High Tide anymore. <laughs> That's the only reason. Yeah, for reasons that Medina stated earlier, it's it's very mentally exhausting. <laughs> I, I mean, I played, like, nine rounds at that deck at the previous tournament, and I have no idea how, like, Alex Hatfield managed to, to go through the whole Star City Open. That's pretty impressive because that deck is just so draining. Like you go to time every round, and you know you always win in time because you know you take one turn to win, yeah. but that turn just takes twenty minutes. Yeah, it's just. It's, it's like just have you me. seen? Have you seen what that guy looks like? No. <laughs> Are we gonna insult players now? <laughs> like, no, no, but he there? was uh, wearing like a very cool hat, so like <laughs> fatigue wasn't an uh, an option for him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Um, he definitely looked stylish. I am. He didn't look like a guy who like got mentally exhausted by playing a. I mean, not saying that you're any less of a man for, uh, for getting mentally exhausted. You know what I mean? So I guess but for like, some people, really, like honestly, like the guy looked kind of like Crocodile Dundee, man. <laughs> What? He was really badass. It's <laughs> not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> That's not yeah, a dick. Man. <laughs> At any moment. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it does take. It takes a. It takes a lot of mental stamina to wield yeah. such a tool. Yeah, he looked like he had the stamina. Yeah. Not not everyone can masturbate all day. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you see that guy's forearms? <laughs> <laughs> Well, plus, like, you know, he just kept going off all day, right? Like, yeah. like 12 times at least, like, in twice a, 12 rounds and, like, twice a round. Oh, Ooh. man. That deck is so freaking good. Just out there for the listeners, man. Holy smokes. I just, I was not <laughs> aware really of good. how good how good it was until I played it. And, like, I got hemmed on turn two, untapped, dropped my third island, and went off in one. It's just, like, it's really resilient. Like, just... there's. Okay, so there's not going to be any uh, 
bannings anytime soon. The I format's really hope not, because those candlesticks <laughs> well, are... They just, they just had a ban list uh, yeah. announcement, so I guess it's it's still way off the next one. So, so moving on now to something that Frank can talk about and he wanted to talk about, and some of the listeners tweeted at me or left a comment, Dredge. So, Frank, if you can just want to give a short intro about Dredge. I mean, I, I haven't seen it do well in the Star City Games tournament, so I haven't really exactly seen a list, except there's one that finished ninth last time, so... Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's kind of like the same thing as... Uh as a as affinity, you know that like if people are packing a lot of graveyard hate, you're gonna have a tough time winning with dredge. But okay. like sometimes it just slips under the radar. And the thing is like that by itself, like it it does like it it can be a pretty powerful deck, you know. How fast can it win usually? I'm uh I, I haven't, like, I've played against it a few times. I, I think I've lost on turn two sometimes. Wow. I've lost, okay. lost on turn one before. Depends on the build, of course. But yeah, if they're running Lion's Eye Diamond, you can lose on turn one. Turn one, yeah. Okay, so okay. Lion's Eye Diamond uh, speeds it up a little bit, then. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, should I, like, I'm... Like, do you guys want me to give, like, kind of, like, an explanation of the deck, or is that, uh, you, you think that's not helpful, or... Do what you want, no, man. I think you should explain, like, KYT doesn't really know at all what you're talking yeah, about, yeah. so just I, I, tell I, him. Right, okay. I have some specific questions, too. Like, you can, you can go on, but my specific question is, when exactly do you use the graveyard hate? Like, the first time I played it, I was confused, do I do it right away, do I wait until they fill up their yard with bridge from belows to remove and and you know maybe these are stupid questions but you know I don't know the answer <laughs> right so go yeah, ahead Frank. so well like let's just like I'm just gonna give like a a breakdown of the of the deck you know like basically you have your uh, your discard discard outlets which are like usually they're like little guys that cost one and that they they let you discard your hand like once they're in play, and uh, then there's uh, there's uh, there's a bunch of creatures that when uh, they go to the graveyard you can reanimate them for free. Uh, so like basically the main two are Icarid and uh, Narcomiba, and uh, then you have your Dredgers. Basically, like once you've dumped these guys, you can. Uh, Instead of drawing, you can mill yourself, and uh, there's there's then there's a few spells that will kind of like help you um, uh, draw and discard. Like the main one is breakthrough, which uh, like it's it's basically uh, it costs blue X, and it's draw four cards, and then choose X cards from your end and discard the rest. So, like, usually what they'll do is they'll give you three dredge, and uh, if you have, like, any any dredgers in your graveyard, you're going to, like, basically, like, half your library is going to go in. Okay. Into your grave using this, so. And once, like, once you have your, like, your entire library in, uh, in, your, uh, in your graveyard, 
there's uh, there's Bridge from Below and uh, Dread Return basically do most of the job then. So uh, like Bridge from Below basically what it does is when it's in your graveyard, if a creature goes like from that you control goes into your graveyard, it's gonna give you uh, a two-two zombie, right? So what happens is that when you have multiples in your graveyard, it's going to give you two or three or four. So like you're going to get a lot of zombies, basically. And by getting the Narcomoebas and the Hikarid into play, you can, uh, you can then, basically, you cast your Dread Return by, by flashbacking it. So you're going to get like a little army of... Uh, of uh of dudes uh, from the the dread uh, from the bridges and you're going to get like usually it's either they're going to they're going to get Iona to lock you out or they're okay. going to get they're going to get another guy I don't remember his name but basically he gives haste to your zombies and flame merchant zealot Yeah yeah exactly so they they're going to use that and they're just, just going to kill you when yeah, doesn't it also give you guys like plus one in the front or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it it plus boosts, one plus one yeah. actually plus, yeah, plus one plus one and haste. So it doesn't it doesn't take much for for you to have kind of a lethal army, you know, going on. Hmm. Okay. But as you said, like concerning the hate, okay, what what happens is that the ability from bridge from below when it resolves, it checks if it's still in the graveyard. And uh, the the other like when the thing is they can remove the bridge from below uh, by uh, well either by uh, using Tarmod script or like some graveyard hate or if uh, one of one a creature goes into your graveyard basically if you're playing the hate I mean okay so as as the opponent like you can if you can sack if you can sack a guy. In response to the bridge uh, triggers, then they're gonna they're gonna get nothing. And sometimes, like dredge players will make mistakes where they attack you, and you have a blocker, and then you can just block and let your blocker die, and and then remove their bridges. <laughs> and they're like shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, sometimes they'll just be like, oh, swing, and then you're like, oh, block. Or like back in the day, the goblins deck used to run mod fanatic, so like. When Dredge had to play against, you know, goblins, it's just like they have four Mog fanatics, so they can remove their bridges at will. Ah. Yeah, that's that's one of the weakness of the... But, like, in those cases, maybe, like, like against goblins, they can go with the Iona plan, you know, like, and, like, fine, you're going to get my bridges, but, like, uh, you're not going to be able to play Red Spell, and I'm going to bash you with this angel. So, yeah, I mean, also in regards to playing the hate, like, it really just depends on the situation and what you're trying to accomplish, you know what I mean? Like, if they go to Dread Return and Iona, then you can uh, you can crypt them after they cast Dread Return targeting Iona. Okay. With, with, the, with the bridge triggers on the stack. Then if you do that, they get no dudes and they get no Iona. Also, sometimes they'll get stuck, like where they have like, like you just have to put a read. And sometimes they don't, they don't have a like if they play a one turn one discard and then they draw, then that means they don't have a dredger. 
So, because what you would do is you play the discard guy, and then uh, when it comes to your draw, you would, or end of the other guy's turn, you would discard the dredger, and then you dredge it in your turn to get cards in your graveyard. So right. if they don't do that, if they draw, and then they end up getting a discard guy in the graveyard, I mean, at that point, you might want to just cut them out of their dredger, you know, so that they don't. There's, there's, di- yeah, there's different ways of fighting it. You know, sometimes if you kill their discard outlet, they're not going to be able to, like, start, like, they're not going to be able to put enough pressure on you. Yeah, another and time is, also, you could wasteland one of their lands, like, they sometimes they, they um, depend on the Cephalid Coliseum to do, like, the draw effect, where they draw, what is it, draw three, discard three? Yeah, it's yeah. draw three, discard three. So, Only so if they threshold. If they have thresholds. So they might like tr- be trying to get their uh, Coliseum active, and you can either cut them out of their Coliseum or you can cut them out of the mana they would use to play things, like, because their mana base is really uh, fragile, too. Yeah, they're, they're, plays, they're, they're only playing non-basics, so... And not and they're, a lot they're of them, not, right? They're, yeah, they're playing less than the usual deck, because basically... All they play, except for their their one mana spell, like they're 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 not paying any mana for it, you know. Okay, so my question is, if they go turn one, stinkweed imp, um, I go it goes to my oh, turn. I have a, it's, it's putrid imp. Putrid imp. It's putrid. Putrid. And I have like a, a Tormat's crypt in play, and they discard. Uh, Golgari Grave Troll, mm-hmm. and they're bu- they're gonna dredge that guy. Like, so I don't really care at this point, I guess. No, nope, don't care. Okay, yep. so they so they could, unless I know it happens to be their only somehow have a yeah, sick but if, read. They, if it's that if it's that sequence of plays, you w- I wouldn't even chance it at that point. I'm talking about right, if they right. miss a dredge and okay. they have a discard outlet, then okay. you know because there's no way like any smart dredge player would miss a, a chance to dredge. In their first turn, you know what I mean. So like, okay. if they if they have a discard outlet and then they miss and they draw, then you know like the next discard the next dredger is probably their only dredger. Okay, because like I was always you know being new to Legacy and and haven't played against dredge in years, or or just haven't I don't remember it being like super tier one for that long in Type Two if it would if it was ever tier one. And every time someone mills, I feel like they're doing something crazy, and I'm just, like, freaking out. <laughs> like, when do I crack this crypt? And, uh, Man, and I, I played my first, like, uh, sanctioned match against Dredge during the Pro Tour, so trust me, I learned the hard way, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing against a version online that played Ancient Grudge, mm-hmm. I think, right? And... Cabal therapy, so I was like, I didn't know if I wanted to hold the crypt or not, so that was like a little tricky um, for me. Yeah, but. that's a. I mean, if they cabal therapy you, they're probably not going to hit crypt. They're, sometimes they'll cabal therapy for force of will, so that they can uh, dread return. Because you can also force of will their dread return. Okay. Alex, any thoughts you would like to add to the Dredge deck? I think there's a few different... Uh, the, the build I'm looking at that finished ninth does not play Icarids, so I don't know what, these, what the standard build sort of looks like, uh, if there is, is it, a standard build. Is it playing uh, Bloodgast? It is playing Bloodgast. Yeah, that's, that's another option, basically. 
and they play that what Undiscovered Paradise, right? Yeah, usually. Yeah, because Undiscovered Paradise lets you add any color to your mana pool. It's a land, and then it returns it to your hand in, oh. your, in your next upkeep. So then you, when you get your your blood gas, then you can play the land again and then trigger them. Okay, this one plays Trickster Mage. Is that uh, a staple in this archetype, or just a unique thing? Trickster Mage. What does that even do? <laughs> <laughs> For w- one blue, a one-one. Tap blue, tap it. Discard a card from your hand. Tap or untap target artifact creature or land. Hmm. So I guess it's, it's this guy's new tech. I guess the yeah. rest I've seen before. Yeah, Trickster Mage. I don't. There's a there's it doesn't run Lion's Eye Diamonds, right? No, no. Is the Lion's Eye Diamond the? Uh, okay, the old one used to run Lion's Eye Diamond and uh, Deep Analysis. So, what 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 you gain from the Lion's Eye Diamond is like explosiveness. So like, you can sack the Lion's Eye Diamond, discard your hand, because that's the effect of Lion's Eye Diamond. Add blue, and then you can draw with the. Uh, Deep analysis? Deep analysis, so you dredge. See what I'm saying? Well, the ideal draw is you play, like, let's say, Cephalid Coliseum. Yep. And then tap it, play, like, Breakthrough, and in response, you sack the Lion's Eye Diamond, discarding mm-hmm. your hand, and adding three blue. And then you, you, draw. you hopefully have discarded some dredgers, so then you draw your four from the uh, Breakthrough, drawing a whole bunch of cards, the dredge cards. And then hopefully dredge into a deep analysis and flash that back and dredge even more and then go off and kill him. Yeah. See, he's so good at creating these like, fantasy <laughs> yes. magic. See, he's so good at it, man. <laughs> so why so why is this version not played anymore? Not consistent enough to too fragile? Like I I'm looking I, I it's definitely like, worse against hate. Yeah. Okay. Because like you're going all in. It's it's less of a grind, and the other thing is I feel like without Lion's Eye Diamond, this version is not as good as the other one. Like if you don't have a Lion's Eye Diamond, then this version just feels like a clunkier version of the non Lion's Eye Diamond version. <laughs> okay, I'm just going through. So anything else that we would like to talk about, Edge? Dread? The thing, like as you as you kind of pointed out, you know, like when you're playing against it, it's like they're they're doing something at, on a whole different level, you know. <laughs> it's me. I think it's it's one of the thing that's fun about Legacy. It's that like you get these decks that operate like entirely differently. It's like a sub game, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it, but yeah, you can still beat them. You know, it's not. Uh, yeah, my first, uh, at that tournament I just played last weekend, my first round opponent was Dredge. And he killed me on turn two. Uh, he killed me on turn two, game one, and then game three I killed him on, game two and three I killed him on turn three. Oh, the other great thing about Time Spiral versus Dredge is you make them shuffle their graveyard into their library. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. It's like a, it's like a huge Termod's crypt. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you could, like, just go off without even casting Time Spiral. You just, like, add mana, add mana, Cutting Wish for Brain Freeze, and then, hey, look, I only need, like, Force Storm. <laughs> you could do that, too. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So I got a few questions uh, as we 
get towards the one hour mark of the show. I'm the clock Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> From Oreo Corp, what can we expect of this Sword of Fire and Ice surge? John. <laughs> <laughs> Direct that one straight at me. Yeah. Um, well, I, I hate to say it, but I told you so, man. <laughs> I just I wrote an article specifically about Sword of Fire and Ice like three or four weeks ago. And I was talking about how it's there's like a there was like a secret shortage is what I called it. There nobody really picked up on it, but there was not a lot of copies out there. And I knew that once I wrote the article, people would be like, Oh, I want sort of fire and ice, I better go get those now. And so what happened is everyone bought up whatever like limited amount of stock was available and now it's just gone through the roof. I mean so do I ever see that coming down? It's what's really weird to me at this point is right now it's fifty, right? Right. Okay, so it's like fifty bucks right now. Um, but the foil judge one is sixty nine dollars. So like that's kind of weird to me that 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 price either either the the regular one is going to go down or that foil judge one is going to go up. I think judges just like oral sex. <laughs> what does that have to do with this price? <laughs> oh man, let's see. Uh, I'm just going to check the price of the foil judgment again. So what? I mean, what kind of what? How can we dig in this question further? Me, me. I think it seems a little bit overpriced right now. At fifty? Man, it's like it's not a card that you want to place it. It seems to me like you're going to play it. As a one of in a deck that can tutor for it, you know. Yeah, but is that really like uh, is that a good reason not to be fifty dollars? I mean, Tabernacle is what three hundred dollars. You don't need a place out of that. Yeah, if Medina's taught me anything, and I mean, given he's a knowledgeable fool who just trades cards, <laughs> but he trades cards very well. Okay, I'll give him yeah. that. So <laughs> I learned this from him that cards value have nothing to do with like. Whether how much they're played and so on, it's just like how much people are willing to pay for them, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so yeah. people are willing. Yeah, in to that case, I think people are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not yeah. the first person to come up with that conclusion. <laughs> here's here's the other thing though. Uh, if you think about the decks that Sword of Fire Ice is in in Legacy, this could partly be why this thing is spiking. Okay. The decks that it's in are in Stoneforge decks that typically don't have Force of Will. Okay? So players looking to get in a legacy who don't want to drop the now $300 for a place that a Force of Will are, um, are looking at our options, and the options are coming up with is Stoneforge decks, like Junk and, uh, and Death and Taxes and this kind of thing. You know what I mean? So they're going to need their cards. Or Exiler. Yeah, exile. <laughs> so pain. So pain. We did this, man. Everybody has all these Stoneforge Mystics and Aether Vials, and they're like, "Oh, I just need a Sword of Fire and Ice." Go with my Exiler deck. <laughs> exactly. That's that's really it's it's funny you bring it up because that's exactly what's going on. Is like all they need is this one sword. So paying fifty for a sword is way better than paying three hundred for a set of Force of Will. Ah, uh, wow. Okay, I didn't think about it that way. Breaking it down. Breaking it down. <laughs> that crazy talk. <laughs> Man, what's one card we guys can we can talk about that like people will buy and then it'll make another card spike in price? Um, yeah, <laughs> <what> we can <laughs> we can make a killing man by controlling people. 
Yeah. Oh, wait, we shouldn't talk about that on air. <laughs> Put it <laughs> in the chat, man. <laughs> so, it's uh, kind of crazy how, how all the prices, like as we we talked about before we recorded the show, the Star City Games buy list, uh, it's... It's scaring me, John. Like I've bought I've bought certain cards before the spike, uh-huh. but I have to say, getting the other cards that I'm missing, it, it's scary. I wish I had the money to just buy everything I needed prior. Oh, to- what are you missing? <laughs> first, first, KYT, KYT. Let me stop you there. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, like like I didn't buy all the dual lands that I needed. I mean, I mean and not- like Frankie was like, "Hey, look at my Facebook picture." Yeah. I got all my duels. Oh, man. Yeah. Who looks like a fool now? Everybody but Frankie. <laughs> Frankie's nobody's fool. Oh, How much do those duels cost you, Frankie? Can you say? Is it allowed? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. They cost, uh, they cost me $1,800. Wow, for the whole set? And, yeah, and the buy price. Well, the thing, for the whole set, Plus, like, but like, there's three that I won, like, at like random tournaments. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so basically, seven, basically. So, so yes, yeah, thirty-seven, but that's pr- relatively. So the buy list price for a full set of duels right now is how much? <laughs> it's sixteen hundred dollars. Okay, so this is a good example of like getting your <laughs> money back. Okay, so if Frankie <laughs> said, "Hey, I don't want to play Legacy." Without any effort at all, <laughs> he could take those dual lands and sell them to a dealer for sixteen hundred bucks. Now, if he just put them on Twitter for like I don't know, like five dollars more each, then he yeah, would... it's five dollars per land. Yeah, yeah, he would he would just make like you know he'd make more than he paid, and this is like the perfect example for legacy. Exactly, like legacy. I buying into legacy right now. And but that was last month, eh? Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you bought, check this out. If you bought duels last week, okay, then you made money between now and last week because the duels went up again. Just <laughs> again, and it's gonna go up again next week. <laughs> and KYT's just crying right now. He's like, "No, I still need duels. Don't well, give it up." Yeah, KYT, maybe you shouldn't have bought that other jet plane. You should have bought some more <laughs> duels instead. <laughs> I, I think these Star City games. I think last year they were more spread apart. Now the fact that there, there's one every single week and there's such a momentum that I don't even see the prices. I don't. Th- they, they might be close to their peak, but. I don't think they're there yet. What do you think, John? Like, uh, no, they're not at their peak yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is because this is just beginning. Do you understand? <laughs> like, just I mean, beginning. <laughs> this is the beginning of the second wave. Like, I posted an article that I wrote a year ago on Twitter, and I said, uh, "Remember when I wrote this article a year ago, saying to get your legacy cards?" And on there, I listed, like, Sensei's Divining Top, Tarmogoyfs, Duels, Force of Wills, Wastelands, you know, all these things to get. And um, so that was the, like, that was, like, kind of the first wave. I mean, the very first wave was when Star City started this thing. And then the, and then the, it started to come to fruition when I posted that article. Now, this is the second wave, and people are, like, they were still waiting from the first wave for things to go down. Okay, because people have this mentality that somehow when prices go up, they're just going to come down, right? Right. And, I mean, 
eventually that may happen. Like, eventually these signals may come down for some reason or another, but that's not happening right now. So it's a timing thing. Like, if you need these cards to play, you need to get them soon. You know what I mean? And you need to start bargain shopping because they've already gotten really high in price. And, I mean, people are more than happy to trade their standard cards at buy list prices for my legacy cards right now. So if I tell them, okay, you have standard cards, I don't want your standard cards, I want legacy cards, but I'll take your standard cards at what Star City Games is buying them at. People are more than happy to trade them at that. Okay. For full price, like if I say, I'm going to go buy full price Star City Game prices on all my legacy cards. So basically I'm taking them at Star City Buy and get, giving giving legacy at full price. They're still taking it because they understand that these cards are just going to keep going up, and they need to. And the standard cards, they're going down. Like yeah. So it doesn't. It's a no brainer to to buy in. I mean, everybody who traded me last week, I've I've technically already lost on all those trades because they oh. they all got legacy cards that increased in value, and I got all kinds of standard that decreased. Okay. So, so even sometimes Medina loses. Well, here, let's give you <laughs> he loses in one thing all the time. Let me give you a good example, just so like the listeners can kind of understand what I'm talking about. So I traded some guy. He's going to be like, why are you calling me some guy? Because he's actually a friend of mine. I traded, <laughs> I, traded, <laughs> I traded some guy two, two underground seeds for two Jaces. Okay? Okay. So, like, I was kind of like... I was kind of like, this is not a good trade for me already. Because I'm like looking at the pricing and I'm like, okay, Star City Games right now is buying Jason at 75. And uh, and they were buying Underground Seas at 70. Okay? And so I was thinking, man, this is only like a $5. I'm only making 5 on this. And so like at the end of the day, like I'm stuck with this card that's going to go down. So if I don't make that 5 before it goes down then I'm kind of screwed. You know what I mean? Right. So this is what happened. The cards haven't even got to me yet. So I haven't <laughs> got the Jaces, okay? But Star City Games dropped their buy price to 60 on Jaces. Okay? So now I've lost $10 on each Jace. Okay? And then they hired their underground C price <laughs> to 80 So now the gap is 40 before I even get the Jaces. <laughs> you got schooled. Man. So it's You're like, going to have to start trading Rise of Eldrazi packs again, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to go, I'll have to go pack to, to Duel Land now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's not, it's not unusual for a format. Look at, look at vintage. These vintage cards are like, you know, to get a, pa- a full set of Power 9, it's like, uh, you know, 2500 bucks or whatever. So, I mean, this is not new to the Magic community that there's a format out there that the buy-in is 2500 you know? Right. So, like, that's just going to, it's going to happen with Legacy. The buy-in is just going to be X amount. And, you know, it's just, the, it's the way it is for now. And, I mean, I mean, those prices will go down eventually, but if you want to play Legacy anytime in the near future, you probably should get on the train or should have got on the train. Yeah, it's funny we talk about this, as at one point, maybe even like a month ago, or even on our episodes of Crazy Talk, we talked about how, you know, Legacy could be cheaper than some standard decks, and and at this point, it seems like there's no shot of that happening (laughs) anymore. 
Well, um, well, did you see my my article last week? Nope. Put you on the spot. Okay. Last, uh, I probably did. Yeah. Last week I talked about the price of us legacy decks. Okay, so like in my article last week, I I drew up the um, basically the most expensive deck all the way down to the least expensive deck. And uh, there was a deck in there that was $178. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this, yes. On the cat, we talked about this on the cast, and it was uh, the, the, your article. Well, you wrote it last week, but you know, it was put up this week. So yeah, yeah, I did see it. Oh, okay. So we talked about this on the cast already. Dude, I'm in so many casts, I don't even remember what we're talking. Actually, no, no. <laughs> it was a private conversation where you uh, where you flashed me and you asked me <laughs> to guess what the cheapest deck was. Oh man, I was writing the article at that time. <laughs> yeah. So let me explain the flashing. So, uh, <laughs> just so people don't think I'm just flashing people randomly. So the A-team, they give me a special report. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm writing my Star City Games article in my bed, no shirt on. They give me a special report, the A-team. So on the, red, on the red phone, here comes the A-team through my Skype, and they're kicking it in Scott, uh, Scott's basement. And I'm like, hey, guys. And KYT's like, what's up? I'm playing cards. Look at me and Jay Boosh. And I'm like, what's up, guys? And KYT's like, hey, man, let me see your beautiful face. So <laughs> I figured I'd scar these guys for life. And just, uh, go ahead and just hit the cam on with my shirt off <laughs> while I'm writing my Star City Games article. <laughs> oh, so, man, I think some of our viewers are scarred for life now. <laughs> just with that, I heard you have magnificent breasts. <laughs> They're nice. They're really nice. <laughs> I mean, you get that, a lot of mileage out of them, man. Eh? That's that's what your mom tells me at least. Now. <laughs> oh. oh, man, you do not want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. Oh. Oh. So, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to tell your mom tomorrow night. <laughs> oh. oh, that was that was way too typical, man. You got to come up with with funnier ones. So, um. Back to the article. So back to the article. Okay, the most expensive deck in Legacy is 12 Post Well. This was the most expensive deck. Who knows now? It's uh right now it was 12 Post Eldrazi, and the least expensive was Dredge at like 179. And I don't think the card prices for Dredge have really changed. So I mean, people can still get in on Dredge. Affinity was the second most expensive. Right. Uh, second least expensive, so it was like 300. So those decks, Affinity and Dredge, you can probably still buy in. And some of these some of these decks have standard cards. Like Affinity has Tezzeret in it now, right? I heard something about that. Yeah. I mean people have Tezzerets. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize like Team America was worth so much. Yeah. Because like they, me and KYT were like, oh, what should we build? And they're like, okay, Team America, <laughs> I'm missing just a few things. And then uh, when I saw the price, I kind of jumped. <laughs> yeah, you guys are ballers, man. That was one of the uh, most yeah, decks. And I like actually, you know, like we didn't. Uh, I'm not sure if we were gonna get into it, but I I played it last week and, uh, and I had a blast. <laughs> that that deck is really fun to play. Yeah, it definitely is. It's really good. Like you're always you're always interacting with them, whatever they're doing. Like you're 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 breaking all their lands, you're attacking their hand, you're 
you're uh, you're countering spells or whatnot. It's 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 a really cool deck. Hey, what do you guys think of the new Team America build that Jerry T came with? I like it. I like Dark Confident. He's a good man. He is a good <laughs> man. He does work. He does. He does. <laughs> he works hard for his money. That's right. What do you guys think? I I have I've only looked at it like a little bit, but I I I really like I didn't get into it, but like. I was like I was kind of like thinking of like brewing decks and like uh dark confidence is it's a card that I'd I'd be really excited to play. I think Dark Confidant for some of the people just getting into Legacy, I think it's a scary card that people don't want to play with. Because they feel like because of the damage they, they just have these ideas that they're gonna die to their confidant. What do you guys think of that? Maybe I, I played it when it was in standard, and I, I wanted to play like four copies of it in all my decks, and so though I have died to it, maybe. Sometimes. Well, I remember the <laughs> death by confident. Uh, you know, whenever I think of that, I always think of Antonio De Rosa's Type Two deck for U.S. Nationals. I forget what year it was, where he played four Greater Gargadon and four Hit Run in the deck. Oh my <laughs> for the record, gosh. that's four cards that with converted mana cost ten. And four cards with converted mana cost eight if revealed off of the Dark Confident. Wow. So, uh, so I think the name of the deck was Take Ten or something. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, that guy's got balls, man. Whoever that yeah. guy is. Well, How I, think, that... I think in the top eight coverage, he killed himself with Bob, like, revealing a Garganon or something. It's just that, <laughs> but that just shows you, like, how nuts that card is. If, like, even in that deck, you're, you play four copies. Yeah, that card is really good. I mean,. Especially when you're drawing, like, hymns and counterspells and, like, you know, other stuff off of that. It's just sick. So, is it just taking... You know, like, there's there's so many good cards that just cost uh, one or two in... in Legacy, that like you can you can build your deck around this guy and you're you're not gonna take that much damage. And a third of your card most likely cause zero. So yeah, because the, the, mean, the odds are good, you know. <laughs> yeah. So so what's the pros and cons of playing this over? Is it just straight out replacing Tombstalker, or is there other cards that? Or um, changed in the, or that are different. Oh no, there's a or, bunch of different ones. I don't think okay. he ran stifles, right? Right, right, because he hates stifle. Uh, you mentioned that I think uh, on the coverage somewhere. He hates stifle. Yeah, he doesn't like stifle. <laughs> Why does he hate it? Do you know? Uh nope. He's Jerry I, T, man, you can hate stifle. Well, <laughs> I've heard of a lot of players hating stifle because it's inconsistent, like against good players, because good players will generally play around it more. Uh huh. And it can be like it can be kind of awkward. Yeah, let me read the list here. Is that cool, guys? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not. I refuse. Cool. I think I'll go cry in my room now. Okay, so you have a room? I thought you just like had one big trailer. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, go so ahead, so we have four dark confidants, four tarmogoyfs, two terravor, which is sick. Uh, four brainstorms, three dazes, four force of will, four go for the throat. <laughs> and uh, when he was playing against Affinity, he was not having a uh, not having a good time. <laughs> and then uh, two spell snare, 
that's my favorite counter spell in all of magic. Uh, one blue mana, counter target, two drop. <laughs> and then, uh, two Jace the Mind Sculptors, four him, one Inquisition, two Ponder, two Thoughtseize, and then a bunch of, uh, lands. Hmm. So, like, trying to remember, cause I've only played Team America once, trying to remember the, the, the swaps that he made. Like, Terravore is obviously new. Yeah, I think he, he, he cut the, he cut the Tomb Stalkers, added, added, uh, Confidants. He cut, um, Stif- Stifles for discard spells, it looks like. Uh, like, yeah. just, he split it. Two Spell Snare and two, uh, Thoughtseize. Okay. One Inquisition. He's got one Inquisition in the Terrorvores, but one of those replaced, like, he's also got Jaces in the main deck, and he doesn't have any, um, what's that thing, uh, Sylvan Library? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, there's, you know, there's a feature on StarCityGames.com where you could just compare <laughs> Where you just compare them, like, which one do you want to see, the Chris Van Meter? Do you want to see, like, the Gerard Farmiana list, or what list are the, you running? We we were running, like, me and KYT, we were running the Fabiano list. Okay, so we'll compare Fabiano. Okay, so let's see what, did, what the changes were. Main deck differences. It looks like Jerry T has plus two Bayou, plus four Confidant. Plus four, go for the throat. I guess, uh, let's see, what was Fabiano running here? Oh, Fabiano was running <coughs> swords? Wait, this it's is not, not... It's not the right deck you're comparing to, I think. Yeah, like, it has plus four Tarmogoyfs. I don't think that's right, so... Yeah, this is weird. This is, uh... <laughs> oh, man. SCG let us down. I think this is... The latest Fabiano list. Maybe. And not the one that we copied, which he played at Edison, or okay. the one, the tournament before, so. I don't yeah, think we have the. I com- think, I think that, yeah, uh, at the tournament, there were some guys that were running, I think, that list from, uh, Fabiano, and they were saying it's, uh, white Team America, but like, like me, to me, that deck seems too different, you know, than. So it's yeah. not even Team America. Well, Star City calls it that, and so... <laughs> yeah, but they call things weird things sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like, they call you a writer. <laughs> oh, man, that's sick. That yeah, was... they, they pay me for it, too. Do you get paid for writing? <laughs> oh, man. Sick burns on crazy talk. Crazy talk. <laughs> So, final words on the deck. I, th- I think me and Frank will try, obviously, well, I want to try the Jerry T version, if Frank will allow me half of the deck to to be altered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll have to think about that. What? No, no, you can't stick with Fabiano all the time. <laughs> well, Frankie, I think you, d- you top four a tournament with Team America this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I top four. I lost the mirror match, but like you know, like if we're gonna like my closing, my closing thoughts on confidant is that like usually the games when you're playing that deck, like it's it's an attrition war, you know. So if you're playing dark confidant, you're gonna pull ahead, and 
you're gonna fuck them out of all their lands and <laughs> oh, PG 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 oh, rating. Oh, Come on, man, fuck that QIT. That's we threw that, that bitch out the window. <laughs> Thank God it's at the end of this cast. Um, Here's so you edit this out. <laughs> I'm, there's no edits on Crazy Talks. Um, so that's our final. It's like my beast. It's uncut. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, Frank top four too, and he didn't talk more about his his tournament. No, because see, not the thing is, Medina. Well, it was a sixteen-player tournament. But did Alex top four? I was not Alex? pressed. I was a yeah, draw for the TCG player tournament. How did you do there? I got twentieth place in the main event and uh, made top eight, losing to Rich Owen in the draft. Nice. Alex almost made top eight of uh, the Yeah, I lost, I lost in the last round. I was X1 in the last round. Uh, like half the X1s drew in, but uh, I had the worst breaks, so I had to play. And I played against Gideon, uh, who <laughs> ended up winning the tournament. And well, he was not playing white cards, so he couldn't play Gideon in his deck. <laughs> uh, but he, w- he was rocking the mono red and uh, had a pretty tight match where game three... Uh, came down to a series of top decks that needed to happen for him, and, and they did. And It was pretty sick. So you're saying that he top decked his, his win away into you? <laughs> you're Those basically exactly saying the only way he won was top decks? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, man. The only way to beat Alex is through luck. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's top decks, man. That's that's hell, I guess, right? Well, I don't know. I, I, I felt that game that I'd got myself into a very good position where he has no cards in hand and a plated to geopede in play and I'm at I'm at thirteen life with the celestial colonnade in play when he's at four life and I've got a Stoneforge Mystic equipped with uh, a uh Silvok life staff. Yep. And he managed to win that, that game. Yeah, that sounds like you really suck bad. <laughs> 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 I don't know how he pulled it out, but, uh, you know. <laughs> All right. Oh, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. And so we're going to so, wrap out. KYT, that's the okay. Highlight of the, highlight of the weekend, though, was uh, Epic Chess Match against KYT. Just <laughs> on YouTube, guys, if, you, if you're curious. Who won? I'm not curious. Is, uh, properly schooled. You beat KYT? The chess is not as actually as interesting as just the, the random comments, like whenever KYT gets one of his pieces captured or something, you know, it's like, it's like a CAD trip. <laughs> it's card advantage. <laughs> so did he lose? Yeah, I lost. You lost to Alex? Yeah. You fired KYT. <laughs> Alex is the stronger chess player. Anyways, clock Nazi <laughs> time. Clock Nazi time. John Spurs offered... Uh, Offered free dinner if I won all three games or if KYT won one of the three games. And so he owes me a free dinner. <laughs> oh, see, he was playing for food. That's why he won. <laughs> Dude, you give this kid a hot dog and he'll do anything, man. <laughs> Just like his mom. <laughs> oh, man. This is so terrible. Okay. I just want if my to mom is like a hot dog... <laughs> We're <laughs> wrapping up this cast. Right. Frankie, Frankie, anything, any last things you want to talk about your tournament experience and, and Team America, or, or we're good? America! Well, well uh, if I, like, if I can give a little shout out, there's, uh, 
There's some people back, like, there's a guy that left a comment on MTG Cast. He was asking, uh, for uh, my uh, Roshin list for EDH. And, uh, we just posted that, uh, last plug, night. Plug, plug, plug. On, uh, manadeprive.com. Uh, I want to send a shout out to, like, there's a few people that have commented on the deck and I've, I've kind of updated my list, you know, from the feedback that I got. <laughs> I, I want to thank the guys that uh, that went and did and commented on, on the deck. And uh, so we do a legacy cast, and people are asking us for EDH lists. <laughs> Our job here is done. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, like me. I I really love EDH, and I I think uh, are, you, are you into it too, uh, Jonathan? Oh yeah, definitely. So like I don't know maybe we something will touch it a little bit then. right touch it just just a little just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> well, I think, John's I had think, his hands on candlesticks for a while so. And your mom else so I mean between the two candle my candlestick and his mom like I just, <laughs> I'm so busy these days. <laughs> oh man, you know it's funny because your mom said that she has smaller boobs than you. <laughs> <laughs> she probably does. <laughs> Um, so, okay, shout-outs, John, I guess, because we're, uh, Frank right, Stark. so I want to give a shout-out to Alex's mom, and, uh, <laughs> besides that, uh, shout-out to, man, it's so tough, shout-out to all the guys who traded me standard stuff for legacy stuff, you're welcome, and, uh, I guess that's it. Why do you shout-out to them? They're like... They don't need the shout-out. They have the legacy cards. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Dude, because they, they heeded my advice. You know? Oh, okay, okay. But, John, could you also, like, uh, send a shout-out to your mom? Or, I, I mean, or I guess I could just tell her later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're really trying too hard with these mom jokes, man. you got to work yeah. on that. Your mom likes it hard, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. That's better. Come on. Okay, <laughs> Alex. Um... Well, Alex, like you to... want to give a shout-out to anyone that's not one of her moms? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I'd like to give a shout-out to the guys who were in, in Toronto this past weekend. Uh, thanks to Thibault, who I know listens to the cast and drove part of the way and won the, the first draft challenge, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Dave Schneer, Rob Anderson, who top-aided, as well as Dan Lantier and P. Sams, the the standard open. That was good, guys. And um, a shout-out to Scotty Mack, who I got to talk to more uh, on the weekend, and that guy's legit. Pretty awesome yeah. guy. He was, he, he was very, very excited about Smitty's Tez deck that he was playing, and, uh, you know, he was the one who told me about your giant man boobs. It was quite impressive, I'm sure. And uh, <laughs> That's all muscle, by the way. Just so you guys know. What was, uh, like, if 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 you don't mind me asking, like, where did the Smitty's deck, like, what was his, its top finish? I believe it was Inferno Titan. No. Uh, uh, oh, how did it do? Oh, how good did it do, yeah. He uh, went 0-3 drop. <laughs> <laughs> but a so copy of... Someone else was playing it, though. Uh, a copy of it almost made top 8 of uh, the Star City Games event. In standard, he was uh, one match away from uh, from top eight, but he lost to Nick Spagnolo and uh, Smitty couldn't get his top eight uh, feature. But he like the 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 match to get into top eight was uh, on SCG Live, 
So that that was kind of neat for him, and I'm really happy for him. So oh, that's sick. Yeah. I guess we'll go to my shout-outs. I'd like to shout-out to Scott for offering his place to stay. Uh, Jay, uh, it was great to finally meet him. And uh, although he's a super troll to me on Twitter, he's uh, a really nice guy in real life. And and I feel that me and Scott and Jay, we have this chemistry. And definitely we missed having Jesse there. And hopefully in San Francisco, all four of us can be together and we can do something special. Uh, shout-outs to... The judges at the TCG event, especially Kyle Rick, and I also got to meet uh, Charlotte Sable. But Kyle Rick is just the funniest DCI judge I've I've ever met, and hopefully he he keeps hosting these uh, big events. And obviously, shout outs to you guys, Alex, John, Aww. Medina, and Frank. <laughs> Jonathan Medina, come on. Jonathan yeah, get Medina, it right, get it right. Oh, and wait. I'm sorry. Shout out I to asked Gideon. Gideon. Oh, shout out to Gideon. For whooping Alex's ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boom, with the top dicks. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to all the... So I always ask questions on Twitter, but we always take like 30 minutes for every question. Uh, so just to finish up, two more small questions. I'll answer them quickly from Oreo Corp. That, you know, is Tez Affinity a meta called deck? Me and Alex believe so. Um, and people call it the most skill-intensive format, so how can a new player approach it with such idea looming all the time? Well, look at me. I'm still one month into it and still getting intimidated by the amount of interactions and skill involved. Yeah, and even but, John you know, Medina from Top 4 in events. <laughs> gotta keep playing. Yeah, That's buy all. candlesticks and you'll do just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, see you next episode. Crazy talk. Bye-bye. Frank, you were supposed to do a crazy talk. Oh, man. (laughs) Crazy talk. Crazy talk. Crazy talk.